0: I remember reading a story when I was much younger that really captured my heart. It really grabbed me and I haven't let go of this story for years. I had heard it from someone and then I found it in a book and and when I read it it, in the book it just seared itself into my memory and I, I live with this story. It's a story of a particular historical figure named David Cohen. David Cohen was from a very religious family at the turn of the 20th century he grew up in all of the shi'vot, all of the seminaries, he was a very orthodox, orthodox Jew, a brilliant young man, who went through the system, as it were, of orthodox, then very, very orthodox Judaism, and was exposed to secular wisdom in other culture, and found himself questioning, asking philosophical questions about his Jewish tradition. He was a deeply observant and pious individual. But at a point in his life, he was studying philosophy, Greek philosophy, in Switzerland. And although he was still religious, he was struggling mightily with his religiosity. And so he heard of a great rabbi whose name was Rabbi Abraham Isaac Hakon Cook, who was the first chief rabbi of Palestine, a man known for his own erudition and genius. He was considered the gadol hador, the greatest rabbi of his generation and David Cohen wrote him a letter and in the letter he spilled out his heart he told him everything that he was struggling with and it just happened to be that Rabbi Cook at that time, the first chief rabbi of Palestine was in Europe because World War I had broken out he had come to Europe for a particular convention and got caught there and lo and behold, the great Rabbi Cook wrote back to this David Cohen and said I'm going to be in Switzerland maybe we can meet up Rabbi David Cohen wrote this story in his diary. And in the telling of the story, the great Rabbi Koch came. And with great trepidation, with anticipation, with love, with hope, Rabbi David Cohen, then David Cohen excitedly prepared himself to meet the great rabbi who would undo all of the knots in his minds, make everything clear, everything that was then unclear would become clear, he was going to have an epiphany, everything would be settled as the Talmud says, there is no joy like the joy of undoing doubts when doubts are resolved and he met with him and as David Cohen writes dutifully in his diary Ah. Eh. Nished. It didn't go so well. He came back completely underwhelmed, frustrated. He went to bed at night wondering if he indeed had made a mistake, that he didn't really have a rabbi who could solve his queries, who could meet him and his heart. He woke up the next morning to the sound. A sound that he had never heard before, a sound that was so sublime, so perfect, so beyond anything he had ever heard before. he got himself out of bed and put his ear to the door and began to shake. He heard the great rough cook praying, pouring out his heart in a song that David Cohen said was so sublime, that he felt transported. heard Rav Kook reading Akedat Yitzchak about the sacrifice of Isaac and then beginning the blessings of the morning and on the spot David Cohen said it was if a light in heaven had shone so brightly that I was blinded and could not see amazing grace how sweet the sound and saved his wretched soul He promised on that moment, just listening to Rav Cook pray, that he would be connected to Rav Cook for the rest of his life, and indeed, kachaya, that's what happened. This great David Cohen became a Nazir. He became a particular kind of pious individual that we will be reading about tomorrow morning, a Nazir, a Nazirite. He was called the Nazir, Hanazir, He didn't leave Rav Kook's side till the end of his life. This story of transformation and transfixed potential. Something happened. It grabs me in my heart because I'm a person that wonders how change happens and whether it's even possible. And this story speaks to a kind of epiphany. It's a whole genre of stories. We we have Paul, right? We have in the Torah... You meet somebody, and all of a sudden, it's never the same again. Jacob and Rachel. But it bespeaks a much broader question, which is, what is it that inspires change, and what is it that allows change to take place? What is the fertile soil with transformation, and a radical transformation at that, can change a person's life on a dime? 90 degrees... I was walking and then, and I want to ask it a little bit differently tonight, even though we will talk about the Nazir, which I didn't fully unpack in a moment. I want to ask it, not from the perspective of an individual, but an individual within a group, within a society, within a community, within a family, within a broader entity. We'll get to that in a second. This Nazir business appears tomorrow morning in the longest parsha of the year. So, if that's not incentive to come tomorrow morning, I don't know what is. <laughs> the longest parsha of the year tomorrow morning. It is the longest parsha in the Torah. The plethora of words is also a theme. Words everywhere. Words. The song that we just sang, Yivarechicha, the great blessing of the priest, appears tomorrow morning. Three words, then five words, then seven words. We have the words that are erased in the painful parsha of the sota, of the adulterous woman. And we have in the middle of this long parsha, words again. G'aberel b'nei Yisrael ve'amartah ish o isha, man or woman, ki yafli nazir lehazir ladunai." Any man or woman that would yafli. Can you all say that words? flee It's the flea market. Yafli. Say it again. Ya-flee. Lindor Nedir. Someone who does Nedir, Kol Nidre, someone who makes a vow. And the strong word in the Bible, Yafli, Nedir, to make a vow, to make articulate. That word, Pele. My son Bear was here to be Pele? No, not Pele. Pele. Pele means Hebrew, means wondrous. God is called in the book of Isaiah Pele yo the wondrous advisor. Pele. You can hear, if you know Hebrew, and even if you don't, but now you will, you can hear the word Aleph, but backwards. Pele, Aleph. Aleph, Pele. God is Pele, is a wonder, it's a miracle. When a person articulates and says, I will become a Nazir, when someone says, the word, it is a miracle. I will become a Nazir. What is a Nazir? Someone who abstains from three things. They don't come into contact with death. They don't drink anything or touch anything have to do with wine. And they don't cut their hair. David Cohen didn't cut his hair the rest of his life. Didn't drink wine. But it began that whole period of transformation began with experiencing something through of cook and then the most important moment he said i will be a nazirite Lahafli. he miracled with his words a word came out of his mouth in a parsha that is full of words the most words in the torah the articulation of a desire to change to become a new person to become a new creature to become what is in essence a bal shuvah a master of returning is hinged on this miracle. I say I want to be someone new. Le'hafli. A briach It's a new being. And the great Ratzadik coin from Lublin, a great Hasidic master, writes about this word, that it is a miracle. He says, isn't it miraculous? The essence of what it is to be a Nazarite, is that one word, a person can decide I'm not cutting my hair, a person can decide that I'm not drinking wine or touching raisins, a person can say I'm never going to a graveyard ever again, the three categories. And if they don't say I want to be a Nazarite, if they don't articulate it, they don't name it, they don't bring it forth, as God brought forth the world with speech, says they don't become a Nazir. So how amazing he says. How amazing it is. The Torah will go on to say that a Nazirite is called holy. Stop the presses, everyone. All I have to do is say I want to be a Nazirite, and from that moment on, from that articulation, it doesn't matter if I've been without a haircut for five years. I haven't touched a. You know, I've been off. You know, not on the wagon. But if I don't say I want to be an Azurite, it doesn't. But the minute I say it, even before I go 10 years without a haircut, even before I stop abstaining from wine, even before, just the articulation of that word says, Rav Sadik, that already calls me kadosh. I'm holy. And says Rav Sadik, this great Hasidic Rabbi, how profound it is to imagine that when it comes to a b'chovah, somebody who wants to change their life. So what gets in the way from that moment on? I say I want to be a Nazarite, I want to get off the schneid, I want to change my ways, I've been confused, I've been living unskillfully, I'm saying, you know, I'm done. I'm making a change. If you were Freud, you'd say, well, that's great because everything happens internally to you. But if you were Murray Bowen or Virginia Satir, or any of the great systems theorists about human psychology and family systems, they'd say, great, now that you want to change your role in the family, you have to deal with all of those around you who won't let you change. The Torah is going to call you Kadosh. The Torah is going to say that from the moment that you know clearly, I want to be a new man, a new woman, a new person, I want to be a new boss, I want to be a new student, I want to be a new human, I want to be a new Jew, I want to be a new American, a new... Whatever it is. The first moment is you say, I want it. You're holy. You are named by that thing that you have named. Great. But now, it gets complicated. Because now... The system has to make room. The system has to say, oh, Sherry, you want to start new? Great. Not so great. It's remarkable. The most oft-quoted Talmudic story in all of Jewish literature is known as the Oven of Achnai, a crazy story in the Talmud where the rabbis essentially say, God, you stay out of anything having to do with law here in this world. The rabbis, we've got it. Thank you very much. The story is a crazy story, I'm not going to go into right now. But most people miss the point of the story. The point of the story is not about rabbis who are fighting about Jewish law. The point of the story is that after the rabbis who are in the majority take the individual who disagreed with them and say, the law is not like you, they then go ahead and excommunicate that great rabbi and they decide to burn everything that he's ever accomplished. This is known as onaat dvarim, as injuring somebody with words. The Talmud says, give me another example of injuring somebody with words. Listen to this example. One of the best examples ever. Maybe you've had this done to you. Don't say to a bal tshuva, don't say to a person who is changing their life, a master of returning, somebody who has decided to change their whole life. Don't tell them, says the Mishnah and the Talmud, zichor ma'asecha harishonim. Remember how you used to be? That's called injury of words using words to undo their proclamation, their identification, their expression of I am a new world their affirmation of their own capacity to be godlike in bringing forth a world that didn't yet exist. I wasn't the person that I wanted to be but now I'm saying I will become the new Gary and then everyone around you says really? you're new? don't you remember a year ago? Don't you remember five years ago? Hey, everybody, here comes Gary. Come on, Gary, do that thing you do where you screw up and you make like you're, you're an idiot. Do that thing where you're small. Do that thing where you don't really know. Play that scapegoat guy. Why don't you play that small girl, the victim? Why don't you play the one who doesn't really know, who doesn't have a voice? Why don't you play that role? and you say, no, 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 you don't understand. I sent out a memo to everyone. I'm a new person. I called myself Nazir. And the Turk called me holy, and that's my new identity. That's who I really am. And they say, no, no, no. No, oh, no, no. We knew you when you were this big. We knew you way back when, before you found the light, before you heard the great rough cook singing the song, before you decided to grow your hair long. We knew you when you were this big. And that's how big we want you to stay. That's how big we want you to stay. We want to remember you always as the one who satisfied our anxiety, the one who assuaged our sense that we had done enough. We want you to be just this big because you're making us very anxious. in the system that Murray Bowen, Virginia Satir and all the family systems, they say that we grow up in a family and the family abhors a vacuum so everybody agrees, let's divide up the energy of the family, I'll take this part you take this part, and we'll all play our roles and then when one member of the family says I want to change, the whole family system says, not so fast the Nazarite comes along and says I want to be holy And the Torah gives that woman, that man, power to self-proclaim their own renewal, to self-proclaim their own emergence, their own self-regeneration. The power of words. Unless we think that it's only the external environment that does it to us, we do it to ourselves. Hey, look at me, I'm learning a new skill. You're never really going to learn it hey, look at me, I've discovered new capacities I didn't know I had. They won't last. Onat <inaudible> Using language to undo our own potentialities, our own possibilities. It's wild to think that the Nazarite, the one who abstains, has the self-limitation, the self-control, the power to remind us through just that simple proclamation that shuva, renewal, return, change, transformation is possible. It's a remarkable thing to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. It's an even more remarkable thing to be the kind of people around whom others feel safe enough to try on new selves. To say, does this fit me? This new leadership thing that I'm wearing, does that work? And the other person as a mirror says, Oh, that looks fantastic on you. Mmm. Yeah, you're doing it. You're getting there. That's wonderful. What kind of world would it look like if people felt that they could be a new person, they could try out something awkwardly for a day, a week, and their friends and their family and their co workers would say, You're doing great. You're just getting started. In two months from now, you're going to be even better. And we can watch our own minds. You go home tonight, Friday night, sit around with friends and say, the last time you came to an old place with a new reality, and describe it. Was the old high school reunion okay? Was the Thanksgiving dinner okay? Or maybe say it positively. Who are the friends, the family, the people in your world that you can try on new selves? And they say to you, you said Nazir, I say Kadosh. You say Nazir, I say Kadosh. You say Nazir, I say Kadosh. You say say Nazarite, I say holy. You say who you're going to be, I say this is who you are. What kind of world would that look like? Where we would model that. My Rebbe would say, "Reb Zalman, blessed be his memory. Would say that every single morning in our liturgy we describe angels who give one another rishut, who give one another permission. The liturgy says, Vinotnim Rishut Zelazeh, they give each other permission, Lagdish to be holy, to sanctify, to be fresh. There's a woman in our community who three years ago decided that she would call herself Nazir she would abstain and dedicated herself to that goal. And her three-year period comes to an end the Shabbat. And I think that I want to say to you, Khalilah, that it's remarkable to see someone as dedicated, as passionate, as committed, and as open to being new and renewed and modeling that for others in this community. There's not, I don't think, a thing that you could try that I personally, as your friend, wouldn't say, wow, keep going, whether it's in your life in many ways or eventually becoming a rabbi and standing here and teaching, God willing, in a couple of years. It's very inspiring to me and I know to your friends and all the community. And I want to say to all of you here tonight, wherever you're going to go after the service is over in 15 minutes, I want to ask you to think in with each other wherever you might go, to ask yourselves this question what Nazarite vow as it were what new person am I hoping to make a claim on for myself and how might I communicate to others to support me in that to mirror that for me to support and mirror and affirm and lift up my desire to be new to be stronger to be fresh on this Memorial Day weekend. On this weekend that is some spaciousness writ large. In a world where predictability has unfortunately left very little room for surprises that are the good kind of surprises. I bless all of you and I feel blessed in this too that the sweet Nazir, the sweet Nazirite named David Cohen, the great priest who heard a song after he had given up hope on finding a teacher. He heard a song that invited him to make a vow and to make a claim and to be born anew. In his merit and in the merit of all of those who walk that path, who step out into the unknown, may we be the nets that hold those who so courageously journey. And may that strength empower us to continually renew ourselves and others to build a better world. Amen.